0: HD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on
1: AOL Radio, and Yahoo Launchcast, Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's the Sky. Back to behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now two four eight five four
2: five soul
1: newskyradio dot com. Believe.
2: What is a parasite in the paranormal sense? What kind of power do they have, if any? If they can influence people, families, and communities, can they influence nations and whole civilizations?
3: Well, hello there, and welcome to the three hundred seventy eighth broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And those strange questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So tonight we're gonna look—we're gonna be looking into one of those paranormal realities that has been around throughout the entire history of the human race. Uh, but we think very seldomly of it. So let's uh, start by explaining what a uh, parasite means.
2: Well, sure. Uh, We're obviously not uh, talking about uh, helminthology here, the study of parasitic worms or mosquitoes or tapeworms. Uh, We're talking about creatures that dodge in and out of human folklore. In the myths and legends of peoples across the world and throughout history and prehistory, they come down to us as evil spirits, demons, Vampires, spirit tricksters, poltergeists, mimics, tulpas, or even gnomes and fairies. They're depicted in prehistoric cave paintings, ancient sculpture, renaissance art, and on modern CD covers. Our own modern global culture has added space aliens to the list in one form or another. But folklore and myth aren't necessarily just collections of quaint stories, silly legends, and nursery rhyme characters that have filtered down through history to bring smiles to the faces of all of us self-satisfied modern geniuses.
3: I wouldn't say smiles in this case. <laughs> not yeah. in this case, you're no, right. Not in this case.
2: Yeah, we heard of a serious case today we want to be looking into. Uh, any expert on folklore will tell you that every tall tale began with some grain of truth something that actually happened to a person, a tribe, a culture, or uh, something that was meant, uh, well, something they thought was important and needed to be remembered to help that person or group survive. Folklore, myth, and legend are the vessels of the collective memory of the human race. They take realities we don't fully understand and give them faces and names so that we can, hopefully, understand the realities behind them in some small way. And it's not so that we can entertain our kids around summer campfires, it's so that we can survive as a species. The stories in our folklore are survival instinct, um, results of our survival instinct. Very early on in my research, I encountered parasites. And I, and since 2005, Ben and I, have been running into them ever since. We even have photographs of them. Now, I... It's been, we're getting ready for our trip here, so I haven't had a chance to put them on the Talking pa- Points page, but I will this evening. Uh, there was a link for the Talking Points page, and the most recent show was usually on the top. I will put them up there tonight. Uh, you'll see at least one or two photographs of what uh, we believe were parasites. Uh, on camera and to the naked eye, these parasites often come across like plasma stick figures. That's the best way I can describe them. Uh, but they can look almost like anything. I was studying for the priesthood at the time, so I assumed, we always assume, that they were demons, servants of Satan, believers in the same theology that I was being taught was universal and absolute truth. And this is back in the early 70s, and late 60s even. Eventually, though, I became convinced that parasites are intelligent and perfectly physical creatures from parallel realities, as in... Everett's theory of the multiple worlds in quantum physics that we've talked about on other shows. Uh, Everett being Hugh Everett, the graduate student in 1957, who wrote uh, this theory in his thesis, and it caught on. Anyway, these uh, creatures from parallel realities uh, have the ability to move between worlds much more easily than other species can, a species such as ourselves. Could there really be such creatures? If there's one thing we we know about life, it's that it's tenacious, never gives up, and eventually spreads everywhere in all kinds of different forms. And forget, quote, life as we know it, unquote, something NASA's always after. I can assure you that the vast majority of life in the multiverse is life as we don't know it. God is head over heels in love with infinite possibility. So why do parasites travel, or at least reach, from world to world? as with most other things in nature, or when it comes to the multiverse, I suppose we ought to say supernature, they do so in order to find food. What is that food? Us and species like us. Not our flesh, though I have my suspicions in that direction, but the energy our bodies throw off when we are consumed with anger, fear, hate, or any other destructive device of power. In my experience, that's what attracts them, and that's what they eat.
3: So because parasites usually cannot be seen with the naked eye, people assume that they are spirits, which we still have yet to get a full definition of what a spirit is or what vibrations are. They are en- they are considered energy beings with no physical bodies. Because parasites can pretend to be anything they want, people often assume they are ghosts of dead human beings.
2: And, you know, starting even the realms that sound like fairy tales themselves here, but again, that's this is as but real as it gets.
3: But you've yeah. hear, heard stuff like this all your life if you really, really think about it. Yeah. shape shifting things. Sure. And turned all these things.
2: Turns up everywhere. It's when it starts turning up in your daily life that people start to get, uh, start asking themselves questions. Am I crazy? It's, you know, because we get that all the time, and so do a lot of other people who do.
3: Yeah, it's amazing this the parallels search. these things draw.
2: It's true. Yeah, it is. it is. And uh, it just goes deeper and deeper. And uh, there, there is an ultimate question that we probably will ask at the end that is, is rather uncomfortable. But first things first. First things first. Uh, we're looking at history here because ancient cultures knew about parasites and often referred to them as something like life-sucking ghosts, things like that, because they were known to draw the energy out of people. The ancients weren't stupid. Hence, our legends of them as vampires. Because they sometimes can be seen in one form or another, depending on how far into our world they venture, I'm sure that they are... We are responsible for at least some, and we do emphasize that it's some, not all, of our legends of fairies, gnomes, goblins, and other supposedly supernatural critters. And today, we have alien abductions. You tell me.
3: And because uh, they know how to push our buttons and make us do bad things, so they can feed off us as a result of those bad things. Uh, People fit fit them into uh, religion as demons and servants of the devil and things like that. But the thing is... It's if you let them manipulate you.
2: Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of – in fact, I'm rather blue this evening because uh, we really care about these people we've been working with for several years. And the um, they're very positive, full of love, lots of great things. But, you know, but they live in a uh, grand central station, so to speak, of the multiverse. All sorts of things happen. And, you know, it wouldn't take much for parasites to come in there and really just, just create havoc. Well, the parasites apparently, in our opinion, have been looking for a number of years about how to you know, get in there. They've been around the perimeter, but because of the positive nature of the people, they can't get in. But lately, uh, someone has come into their lives who has been very negative, and uh, they, they have vowed to fight this. And I just I just don't think these people just don't deserve this. So, well, uh, in a way,
3: I kind of saw this coming.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think you're right. I tend just to, wonder, because some,
3: not everything lasts forever. No, but, no.
2: and you, you tend to be more objective than I am. I always see the good side of things, and you, you, you balance things out in our little team here. Indeed. Anyway, I started running into parasites as soon as I began my paranormal studies in 1970. Right? Well, how did I run into them? Well, people would tell me that they had ghosts in their homes, uh, but sometimes when I got there, I felt such alien malignancy, and I use that term deliberately, with nothing human about it. I was a student for the priesthood, as I say, so I naturally assumed these were demons. I assisted in exorcism cases and began running into the predatory destruction caused by what we call poltergeists. I encountered parasites while working as a student in psychiatric hospitals and tangled with patients who had been diagnosed with chronic psychoses. I encountered them attached to people who were considered renowned psychics, mediums, and paranormal investigators. And neither the folklore nor the theology added up. Within a decade of seeing these things for the first time, or recognizing them, I concluded that they are perfectly natural, but extremely dangerous life forms that, depending on their species, may hunt as rogues or in packs, display fascinating habits and tendencies, may actually farm, for lack of a better term, certain families and tribal groups for decades or even centuries. They, can, they could reach into and feed in more than one parallel world at a time. They have rudimentary cultures and a definite social pecking order. And I found them to have highly individual fears and foibles. Many species seem to have gender, and they can be killed. These realizations forced me to throw off the age-old assumption about these creatures and see them exposed for what they really are. That led into areas of paranormal research and action where I think few others have ventured. And it led to a number of very serious questions. The one that concerns us on this show is, if parasites can cause the havoc that I, and now Ben and I, have witnessed in individual lives and families, what horrors could they encourage people to bring about on the level of communities, nations, or the entire world?
3: A lot of people have written in wanting to know the kinds of parasites uh, that we have identified over the years. So, uh, before you go into that, Dad, um, could you give us a list of these parasites?
2: Yeah, a lot of people have been wondering about this, and it is in my next book if I ever finish the darn thing. I seem to have identified nine different species so far, and I rank them by their apparent intelligence, experience, power, and vulnerability. It is possible that some of them could be younger or older individuals of the same species, with their maturity making a difference in my interpretation. But to me, each group does seem to be unique unto itself. I have every reason to believe the parasites do not all come from the same world, though they do seem to interact with each other, sometimes in a hostile manner. Now I considered them naming them by class or something, but that seemed too much like Ghostbusters, so I decided to stick with their prime characteristics. Now here's the list from the epirechelon down to the riffraff.
3: And I want to make it quick because you only have about two minutes till the next break.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Well I'll start with group number one here then. Uh, the first and I suppose most impressive parasite group I call the wise. Now realize that the term wise is used with great relativity. And means nothing good when it comes to us. So, uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll wait till after the break to continue this, but, uh, Of course, we
3: have to keep you waiting even longer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, they've waited this, this number of years, they can yeah, wait that's another true. couple of minutes. Anyway, you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio and NewSkyRadio.com. And we're talking this evening about the influence of what we call human, uh, I should say parasites, paranormal parasites in human history. So, stay with us because I'm going to give you the list in about
0: two minutes. Be right back. Thursday is a power packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron Reed Show. The Colette Baron Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette baron reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at newskyradio.com. Newsky Radio. Newskyradio.com. New Horizons, No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
4: shaken from all the risks we have taken dance with me dance with me into the colors of the dust Colors of the dust Dance with me Into the colors Of the dust bends itself down dust I want to be with you I'm gonna be with you color When you again psychic
1: radio is now cbs radios the sky back to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno call now 248-545-soul new sky Well,
2: we're back and our topic this evening is the paranormal parasites and what kinds they are and what their influence has been on human history now the most impressive parasite group, as I say, I, I refer to as the Wise. Now, not in the human, not not in a good sense of the word, but in their own sense of the word. These top shelf parasites come across as very ancient and full of knowledge about the multiverse, the inhabitants of our world, and of their prey, p r e y. They give the impression of knowing our species far better than we do. They are conversant in most, if not all, human languages, and have great telepathic power. They tend to live and hunt alone. Like huge, invisible spiders, they will often quietly park themselves in a place or time where they have access to a certain house or tract of land for centuries at a time, picking up what knowledge they can and feeding on whoever comes along. Why'd you have to put it that way? I know, you don't like spiders. No, I don't like spiders. <laughs> um, you know, this the case in Maine that we worked on over the past few years has... Uh, I believe has one of these at its root. Uh, so as we go here, tell tell me your impressions too. Oh,
3: you know, it's interesting. It's funny that you actually described uh, described them that way because um, remember, like a really long time ago, it was like a god. It must have been like two years ago. I when um
2: I went, to, I went to that,
3: I went to that thing with uh, my mentor. He had like this class or whatever where it was like build like a sweat sweat lodge yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, like they they were talking about um their spirituality like the different spirits and things like that and like the trickster spirit was actually a spider interesting yeah ah, the trickster okay. spirit was actually a spider and yeah. um it would like it would get you to like almost do something and then it would mess up towards the end yeah and give itself away and you're like ah yeah you? i don't yeah.
2: know if this would have been the well although, the price is
3: wrong theme plays <laughs> right.
2: uh the uh well as i say in, in photography and to the naked eye these parasites often come across as you know, stick figures or bolts of lightning. I suppose they could be interpreted as spiders. I mean, they're, they, they, they do say when they when they reach into number of worlds at a time. Um, it, I suppose that's almost spider-like in a way, or octopus-like. But anyway, they're they're not to be messed with, especially these upper echelon ones here. Indeed. I have found them to be arrogant, brilliant, and extremely calculating. At the same time, once they know that you know what they really are, I have found them surprisingly willing to communicate in a smug, but I hate to say semi-honest manner, because you never, ever could trust these things. However, yeah, there comes a point, maybe I'm being arrogant, but I think there comes a point where, where you know that. And I have run into the same individual more than once. Uh, but anyway, you know, you, you really take it very carefully, and, and you don't communicate Uh, unless it's absolutely necessary, unless that takes a lot of experience. Uh, The second group I refer to as the elders. Like the wise, the elders seem to have great knowledge and experience, but they are more apt to work together and to be leaders among other kinds of parasites, among other species. They do not seem as interested in humans and human life as the wise, except, of course, as food sources. Then there are the farmers, as I call them, These parasites seem to work quietly in groups of four to eight and will attach themselves to a human family, tribe, or other community for long periods of time, cultivating situations and feeding off the results. Certain individuals in the parasite group might concentrate on or be in charge of particular individuals in the human group. In many cases, the parasites are so unobtrusive that except for feelings of presences or negativity, or even some of the basic haunted house stuff now and then, the humans have no idea they are being farmed. The pack hunters are the next group. This species is highly aggressive, highly provocative, and will usually concentrate on one human individual at a time. Unlike most parasites, they seem highly mobile. They can and will follow a person from place to place. There is always a leader. If they get enough to eat... They can become poltergeists. I have encountered them from time to time in cases of possession. They are also excellent mimics, and many victims become convinced that they are being paid attention to not by parasites, but by benevolent and protective spirits. That's really dangerous. The next group is the rogues, as I call them. These loners may have the tendencies of pack hunters, but they operate in complete isolation from one another, as far as I've ever seen. They operate freely through Ouija boards and seances, and they're very often responsible for poltergeist or possession cases. And again, they, they can mimic and they, they will pretend to be something good when they're not. Then there are the passives. This interesting group seems to be satisfied filling the role of second stringers, usually to the elders, but sometimes to other, brighter parasites. In paranormal cases, we often find the passives in subservient positions, dominated, sometimes cruelly, by superior species. They seem to feed on, in a matter of speaking, whatever crumbs are left after the elders are finished. Then there were, this is a very interesting group, the lost, as I call them. There is a fascinating tendency among all parasites to forget their own origins and even identities the longer they spend attached to their victims or in worlds that are not their own. That becomes especially evident as we approach the lower echelons among the parasite species, and it includes the ones I call the lost. The lost seem to operate as individuals, concentrating on one person even when there is little or no sustenance from that person. They often communicate verbally, and they will often give the impression that they need sympathy, or even that they are sorry for the way they have to live. In one case in the American Midwest, and I know Ben remembers this, one of the lost was constantly apologizing to its human victim. The victim could hear a human-like voice but never saw the parasite. And this brings up a question, we're in the middle of our list here, but this brings up a question about whether parasites could be the remnants of human beings or even, you know, the ghosts of human beings or whatever, and maybe in some cases there isn't enough humanity left to identify them as. Well,
3: if we're all connected, then...
2: Well, there you go. Uh, That's, yeah, well, that's probably the deep end of this pool, is that we, uh, really, our lives are shared. It's one big life in the multiverse, and we're just unique expressions of that one life. And so are the parasites, (laughs) so we have a connection. But uh, I have never found a parasite in my 42 years of work in this field, that I have become convinced is a human or a former human, in, in the classical sense of the term, although we do share their lives. And there's, a, there's an interesting theological point from the history of at least Christianity, and I, I've heard of it elsewhere too, of literally, in that they believing that the, the parasites are demons and the servants of Satan, that you can literally preach... To the demons, you can convert them. I've never found that to happen, but it brings up an interesting subject that I think we can we can talk about later. Can they somehow be worked with? Uh, We and our own experiment of of projecting compassion toward the parasites usually repels them because that's it's, it's. Kind of like a food you don't like. You don't want to go near it. Uh, so, But anyway, that, that, that's something for later. But that, that, that is another interesting possibility. But these, uh, these lost uh, will very often pretend that they, or maybe, I don't know, maybe there is some sincerity there that they're sorry about how they have to live. And it's funny. There, there, are, there are stories of vampires who are some, sometimes sorry about how they have to live. Maybe that came from that experience. Uh, then, of course, there are the well-known tricksters. Species. If any species in the multiverse can be intellectual, lightweights, but clever at the same time, it must be this this trickster group. Uh, These will get the energy flowing from their victims through startling pranks and unpleasant surprises. As with all parasites, their abilities to travel among parallel worlds will make it seem as though they can manipulate space and time something that, as the writer H.P. Lovecraft pointed out, in itself strikes terror into the human heart. Uh, We did a show on our Boston Providence uh, station last week about Lovecraft. Okay, yep, thank you. Uh, Week before, actually. Uh, Tricksters are often the origins of the enlightened masters, space brothers, and false spirit guides that have a field day among gullible psychics and mediums. I have very often found them in... uh, garden variety haunting cases to be pretending to be a loved one or to be pretending to be a guardian of some kind. They even can can make people feel comfortable in the, in their presence. Uh, they're quite good at that but uh, they are not what they appear to be and it can be dangerous to assume that, uh, that they are. Now, now we're reaching pretty much the bottom rungs of the ladder here and the last group I would talk about would be the Brats. I call them the brats. The lowest echelon among parasites seems to be uh, these brats. They act like spoiled and at, some time, uh, at the same time frightened children. They seem to live and feed alone on a specific human who is also alone. Often the unhealthy bond will result. Uh, while brats are not very swift, they are very good at manipulating their victims and they're terrified of being separated from these victims because they are they very often can't remember where they came from or where they go. That's a fascinating tendency I've seen with them. They uh, and I'm you know I'm thinking of X in New York City. Yeah. Uh, X had one of these X from our earlier shows from 4 and 5 years ago. Uh, X is a well-known uh, American uh, uh, artist who is uh, living in New, who lives in New York and, and uh we had this person on with a uh, muffled, you know, with a disguised voice. And terrible situation. 25 years, persecuted by this one of these brats, and uh, literally uh, there were physical things that occurred, pushed down the stairs, things of this kind. We have photographs from the apartment where this person lives, and all sorts of amazing multiversal things occur. There are people in there that weren't there when the picture was taken, much like the um, Grand Central Station of the... Multiverse, as we found in other cases,
3: but on a smaller scale.
2: On a smaller scale, and certainly this sort of uh, energies involved in that let parasites come in all the more easily. So this this brat has been attached for some considerable time, and um, I'm afraid we're a little bit out of touch with this person now. But we will be. Uh, we all you know, a wonderful person, and we are going to. Uh, things had been had been getting better, so we're going to be uh, following up uh, probably more on that more than we uh, have been. in but anywho, back on
3: topic. Okay. So more about all this on future shows, but for now, let's get back to our original question. So what effect could these parasites have had on the development of the human race?
2: Well, uh, we have two minutes. Okay, well, now we're coming up on another break. So the, uh, and this is the main question with these things. Now that we have a handle on what they can be, the, the different kinds and how they react and interact with each other and with us, we can raise the question, well, what effect have they had? on human history <laughs> we, you cannot deny that there's evil in the world, look around and, and we'll see what, uh, what perhaps uh, hand they might have had in this and I should stress that human responsibility, personal responsibility often does not need any help from something like parasites uh, people were, people are very um, apt to get into trouble on their own simply because of our own nature but I don't think these things really uh, uh, in many cases of course, will benefit contribute. from this yeah, anyway, uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back to continue our subject.
5: Paint Creek Center for the Arts, Rochester's regional nonprofit art center, is excited to announce the 47th annual Art and Apples Festival presented by Talmer Bank and Trust September 7th, 8th, and 9th in beautiful Rochester Park. Art and Apples is Michigan's second-largest juried fine arts fair with over 290 exhibiting artists from across the nation. With a wide variety of fine art, free kids' art activities, non entertainment, homemade apple pies, and delicious fresh food from three separate food courts, the festival attracts more than 200,000 visitors each fall. The three-day family-friendly festival weekend begins at 4 p.m. on Friday, September 7th. Round-trip shuttle service from Rochester High School is available on Saturday and Sunday. For more information, visit www.artandapples.com.
6: Another stuck in the road. But in the end that's right I hope you at the time of your life It's something unpredictable But in the end it's right I hope you at the time of your life
1: psychic radio is now cbs radio's the sky back to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno call now 248-545-soul new sky believe
2: and welcome back and we're talking about paranormal parasites and uh, the fact that they have influenced profoundly human history it's probably the most open secret of Prehistory and history, in my opinion. Once you really look behind the scenes, I think that becomes obvious.
3: So probably the most obvious place to uh, to start looking or seeing parasite influence is in the formation of religions and something that had an amazing effect on human history. So, Dad, you've always said that the paranormal, in a sense, of uh, wonder and faith was the mother of both science and religion. Uh, Where would parasites fit in in that?
2: Well... Where do you and I encounter parasites the most? In our paranormal work, uh, and what characterizes the paranormal work of people, if, what characterizes paranormal work if people aren't careful? False leads, strange presences, uh, giving you the wrong information, and incidents that look like one thing but are actually something entirely different. That description isn't too far off when it comes to much of humanity's experience with religion. Now, I say, with all due respect, I say that the paranormal is the mother of religion because if humanity had never found any mysteries to explain and had never encountered what they considered supernatural beings, there would have been no real need for religion, or science for that matter. So religion can be thought of as humanity's organized response to our collective questions about existence and our collective response to God who is the author of that existence and might be willing to answer those questions. But There was one more fundamental cause for religion. Folklore and myth, our universal and collective memory, as we've described them, is clear that early humans throughout the world and in every culture encountered what they believed were supernatural beings. In some cultures, according to their traditions anyway, this happened early and often. The people who encountered these beings the most and encountered them most deeply were those we today would call shamans, people like you. Thanks. For those who were shamans or were called to be shamans, there were encounters of all kinds, including what we would call today alien abductions and medical experiments. Really weird stuff. Today there is all sorts of speculation about who or what it was that our ancestors were encountering. Were they ancient astronauts? Spirit beings who met us well and wanted to teach us? Spirit beings who met us evil and wanted to teach us? God or gods? angels or parasites or all of the above or none of the above and we can't ignore another prime factor in the origins of religion hallucinogenic plants consuming these is a part of almost every major shamanic religion but are they hallucinogens could they be a method to chemically retune the brain to pick up beings and worlds that are on another frequency there's that term again from what we usually experience Many researchers, including me, believe that that is what's actually happening. On uh, the other hand, experiences like these occurred and still do occur without the aid of hallucinogens. But all that is a story for another show. But despite the fact that people were encountering supernatural beings, did they believe these were gods? Surprisingly, the answer from our earliest ancestors seems to have been no. There is overwhelming evidence that the earliest humans were monotheists, Worshippers of one god, or at most a divine family of father, mother, and child, the child usually representing us. So what happened? Why did people suddenly turn into worshippers of many gods, something that seems to have had led, at least indirectly, to the development of huge and complex civilizations, and huge and complex rivalries and wars, and huge and complex religions? An anthropologist, or paleo-sociologist, are we inventing a new field? Uh, would be able to give you many possible answers. But I doubt that deliberate interference by parasites would be among them. I believe that people started believing in many gods because certain beings they were encountering began saying that they were gods. That's where our parasites come in. Can you imagine the sustenance, the power, parasites can gain by communicating with a group of humans until the people thought they were hearing from a super being, a god or gods? Imagine a negative energy, the food generated by human fear on a tribal or national scale. Think of the impact across the worlds of the barbarism we fell into as our gods split into God after God after God, many of which, according to both folklore and archaeology, demanded human blood. Consider the negative power of torture, of human sacrifice. Consider the power of war. Don't get me wrong here, as I say, people are entirely capable of messing everything up on their own, and ultimately they have the responsibility for our own well-being. But parasites can be very, very persuasive, especially when they begin to manipulate space and time. They're very good at making people afraid. So I think we found the origins of all those bloodthirsty little deities we encounter in various cultures. But we're way too sophisticated for that today, aren't we? The modern Jew, Christian, or Muslim might say, aha, and point a finger toward modern versions of old folk religions like voodoo, santeria, or other animistic faiths in which people often deal with quote-unquote spirits and are sometimes very much under their influence. I have my suspicions in that direction, too, but I also think that people who point fingers ought to look in the mirror first. The 1994 Hebron mosque massacre by a Jewish radical and other Israeli atrocities against Palestinians the Roman Catholic Church's Spanish Inquisition, which didn't end until 1834, believe it or not, the Holocaust against the Jews by the Nazis, who expected people to believe they were defending, quote, Christian civilization, unquote, and the ceaseless bloodletting carried out by Muslim terrorists in the name of Allah, no elaboration necessary, were not inspired by any god I worship. Parasites are alive and well in many a church, temple, and mosque, I assure you. Just look at the splintering that goes on. According to United Nations statistics on religion, there are over 20,000 sects within Christianity alone, all claiming to be based on the Bible.
3: So moving beyond religion in early history, uh, we encounter civilization, which sprang up practically overnight in the Fertile Crescent region of the Middle East. Civilization was the greatest thing that ever happened, right?
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know. Was it? Biologically, I'm not sure that we have ever been entirely comfortable as a civilized people, living in towns and cities, domesticating animals, and growing our own food. Biologically, we're still hunter gatherers. When we were wandering around the plains chasing gazelles, it required about 24 hours of work a week to sustain ourselves. And look at what we we break our heads now trying to, you know, well, at least some of us do trying to work and everything else. But you know, another thing is. the sexual aspect of our own existence. We are constructed to mate and start families at the age of like 12 or 13. And yet society, you know, gets all upset if we don't wait till we're 20 or 25 or even, even later. I mean, it's—it there are certain, I'm not saying which which end is correct, but we end up with all kinds of trouble because we're not hunter-gatherers anymore. And of course, how how would you sustain 300 million people in that sort of an environment today? Uh, Anyway, civilization, especially in Sumeria, did spring up practically overnight. And who taught us to do that? I suspect outside influences on that score, too, but far more human ones. Still, the parasite's food supply hasn't suffered for it. So today, we have to work about 60 hours a week to maintain our artificial environments and smartphones. Huge numbers of people don't work at all that live off everyone else. And huge numbers of us don't know who we are, why we're here, or what we're doing because we have done what parasites want the most. We've separated from each other and thus become more vulnerable to them. Again, we're responsible for creating and solving most of our own problems. Parasites can't make us do anything, but they're right there to shake the table so the crumbs will fall. And they do push buttons. So and moving,
3: oh, sorry. Yeah, oh no, go ahead. ahead. So moving into historical times, there is plenty of first-hand evidence of parasite influence on some f- very familiar names.
2: are yeah, well, that's true. Uh, but most, uh, I should say. But first, we should understand the most common word that people use today to talk about what are actually parasites: demon. Demon comes from the Greek word daemon, which did not necessarily mean evil spirit. It often meant a lesser being among the gods, a great warrior, king, or hero who had been deified or turned into a god, or just any spirit living on earth. The trouble is that parasites can come across as any of those things. So
3: ancient pagans, uh, Jews and Christians alike, were very aware that demons could pretend to be gods. Uh, Many big names in the ancient world claimed to have their own demons who either helped them or drove them crazy one of the uh, great Greek philosophers, Socrates, on whose reasoning most of Western thought is based.
2: Well, Socrates had an unseen companion who gave him advice. He himself believed this was a demon sent from the gods to help him. In fact, this demon could have been anything, even a metaphor for Socrates' own conscience or inner voice. Could, could be, but could we be looking at a parasite influencing the father of Western thought? Well, like okay. It. Well, I guess we're going to take another break here. We will be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, dot and newskyradio.com. And we'll uh, see if we can't finish up our discussion of parasites in human history. Be right back.
0: Mondays are motivational, it all begins with you. And that's where the Movement Within featuring life coach April Claxton comes in. Join April and her uplifting guests Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Featured on Animal Planet, Court TV, Unsolved Mysteries, and The Hauntings, Psychic Barbara Mackey. Barbara is a sixth-generation psychic medium, animal psychic, and spirit communicator. Tune into Visions with Barbara Mackey at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. There are four corners, and Will and Nancy will take you there at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Existence is what we live for adventure is our journey. Metaphysical topics inspiring and educational guest speakers, psychic readings and more. Artie's the party with angels and answers, Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern time, psychic readings and more. Join the fun. What goes bump in the night? Heidi knows. At 11 p.m. Eastern time, Heidi Hollis's The Outlander will lunge into topics on all things outlandish and more. Call in or write Heidi to vent or get advice about your paranormally inspired curiosities or challenges. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at newskyradio.com. Sky Radio. Newskyradio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and radio.com.
5: When I get to Warwick Avenue, meet me by the air. To you. We can talk things over a little time. Promise me you won't stay by the line. When I get to Warwick Avenue, please drop the past and be true. Don't fail. See
1: now cbs radios the sky back to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno call now 248-545-soul new skyradio.com
2: and we're back to complete our discussion hopefully of paranormal parasites in human history and we're coming up through history now and we notice that military leaders from Ashwatthama in ancient India through... Hey, you skipped what I said. You. Skipped I'm sorry. You skipped my line. <laughs> okay.
3: All right. So let's just start over again. Let's rewind a little bit. So welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And we're just going to get right back into the subject of paranormal parasites and their influence on society. So in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he talks about an angel of Satan, uh, quote unquote, that was sent to him, to, uh, sent to keep him humble because of all the great revelations he was receiving from God.
2: We'll hmm. have a few comments on that, but no time. Uh, military leaders, as I say, from uh, Ashwatthama in ancient India through Pharaoh Amenhotep the First. Through the Caesars, many of them anyway, the kings of medieval Europe and Asia, up through American generals George Washington, Stolenwald Jackson, and George Patton.
3: Or or, uh,
1: Constantine.
2: Oh, Constantine, my gosh, yes. Well, you include him among the Caesars. Uh, They all claim to have been spoken to or helped by God or spirits in one form or another. Helped to do what? Kill other people?
3: It is generally believed that Hitler was obsessed with the occult, but there's probably more to it than that.
2: Well, I do have some inside information because I knew someone who knew Hitler, believe it or not, and who worked in his household before World War II. Uh, Hitler was a very shrewd politician and not the sort of person to go in for the occult in any big way. I suspect he did so toward the end of the war, though, when his world was collapsing around him. Uh, It was German police leader Heinrich Himmler who was nuts about the occult, According to my late friend, uh, Hitler through Himmler's, uh, though, uh, well, Hitler's interest in the occult, well, Hitler encountered that, Himmler's interest in the occult, and thought it was silly, but he indulged him. Uh, Himmler, throughout his infamous career, claimed that he was in touch with spirits, uh, found Hitler a series of astrologers, and was the one who actually wanted to find ancient religious artifacts, like the Ark of the Covenant and the so-called Spear of Destiny. You know, the stuff in these movies sometimes is uh, true or semi-true, but it was Himmler who was the complete nut for the occult, from what my information says.
3: So whoever the occult nut was in Nazi Germany, uh, just look at the results.
2: Yeah. And the beat goes on. The atomic bomb, the Soviet gulag, India versus Pakistan, Vietnam, 9-11, God is on our side. Well, I can assure you that... Uh, it isn't uh, God who's the problem. It's us and who we listen to. And there seems to be an awful lot of listening to parasites. And that's it. That's the key to human history, in my opinion. And who knows what we're on in prehistory, the millions of years we don't know anything about. Oh, God.
3: Yeah, exactly. Especially since our... Since uh, Well, there's just a lot of other things. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things we can point out, so many parallels and stuff. And it just sounds too crazy to be true, but yeah. it just for some reason makes a lot of sense.
2: And uh, the question arises because we, we named the nine different species. Which ones are more responsible for the larger picture? Now, I, I can't really imagine too many brats running around influencing General Patton or George Washington or anybody or Himmler or anybody else. One would think, uh, certainly, the upper echelon, and we say that in quotes, such as the wise or the elders. Well, it seems like it all has
3: its place.
2: Yeah. Well, what about your experience with? Because you know, we we react differently to different situations. What about your experience? Say in the main case, where I believe we were we were dealing with one of these. Uh, I really
3: didn't know what I was doing then. Use a different example.
2: Okay. Well, you tell me.
3: Well, uh, what, did you, what,
2: what did you what did you find in the in that house in? Um, Fox, Square. uh, in Max, Massachusetts.
3: Yeah, yeah. You worked
2: on that yourself. Indeed. Um, well, I suppose. Hey, this ring a bell, these kinds of parasites.
3: Yeah. Probably the trickster would fit best. Yeah. With the, yeah. Two, the two that I ran into. And it was like, like I, I would stop and like all these other people that were with me were like, Oh, it's all these people that need help. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. But like there were these two, um, to tricksters that were being obnoxious, and like I'd like I'd like close my eyes and see them like physically, and they'd be laughing like, "Aha! We have these people fooled, and you can't do anything." Blah blah blah, things like that.
2: That, that, that happened during the, that 1998 case in in uh, Rhode Island, where the woman was uh, persecuted by this thing, and the thing made to try to communicate to me through her. And of course, you know, you always you don't really believe, but it, it was it became frightened when we would um, and I think that this was either a, a one of the wise or one of the elders and you take her hand and she, she, the thing backed right off because it couldn't deal with the solidarity that we were showing
3: uh, but, okay. on, but on a completely different note we have to start wrapping up so let's get to our announcements so this is it uh, my dad and I are going to be heading for England at the end of this week so we'll be speaking at the Grove House Hotel in Woodbridge, Suffolk, England on September 22nd from 7 to 11 p.m and there may be a few tickets available. A ticket price from uh, £15 includes a full buffet dinner provided by the hotel. Proceeds will benefit local charities. So the evening will include a town hall-style meeting on uh, paranormal events in this highly active area, which was the scene of the famous Rendlesham Forest UFO incidents of 1980. So Larry Warren, eyewitness to that event, and the co-author of the book Left at East Gate, plans to be with us that evening. So for more information and to buy tickets, visit www.spaceportuk.com events or just go to BehindTheParanormal.com and look at the link to the site under What's New.
2: Well, finally, uh, Ben and I will be featured speakers at the All Hallows Eve Psychic Fair at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island on Sunday, October 28th. Watch for more info on those events at BehindTheParanormal.com
3: so many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we will see. We will not see you live for next for the next two weeks as we will be overseas, but uh, we will be, we'll be back live on September 30th with an open line show and September 16th and the 23rd will be rebroadcast. In the meantime, tune into our Boston Province Drive Time Show on W-O-O-N 1240 AM at onworldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time this Monday, but not for the next two weeks. And you can get a free you can get free podcast of all our shows at www.behindtheparanormal.com. dot com.
2: And as I mentioned earlier, I will be this evening put um, a, a photo, one of the photographs of what I believe is a parasite uh, on behindtheparanormal.com dot com at the talking points page. So just go to the talking points page, and I, I believe on the site it's it's for twenty twelve. Uh, although I don't know, but just go to the talking points page and uh, see the date of this show, and we'll. we'll Put the picture on, on, on there so you can see what we're talking about with the looking a little bit like uh, plasma or that sort of thing so anyway we leave you with a thought from gautama the buddha this evening do not dwell in the past do not dream of the future concentrate the mind on the present moment so thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey and we will see you
3: next time